Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? A new beginning. Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here. Right here. Right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together, we'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution, and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Heavenly Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I'm your co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. Well, today's show, Looking at Earthly Events Through Heaven's Eyes, has been inspired by a lot of things. Cecil the Lion, the church massacre in South Carolina, 9-11, the bill against labeling GMOs, and even the death of Princess Diana. The list just goes on and on. But to understand why things happen on earth, we first have to look at why we are here. It's not just to grow up, get a job, get married, buy a house, you know, accumulate a lot of money and toys. It is really to master the lessons we came to earth to learn. Unfortunately, we learn much faster from trauma and pain than we do from joy and bliss. Right, Janice? Absolutely, we do. Unfortunately, but yes, we do. Right. I mean, for those listeners that are new to this type of show, there's a spiritual concept that is key to this conversation, and it's called ascension. Now, can you kind of explain what that is? Well, ascension is basically just raising your vibratory rate so that what they call the dross of the earthly energies that we have, it's Mm -hmm. like the divinity from within becoming without. And you get lighter and lighter and lighter and more and more connected to the one. And then as you progress really on that path, you go from vibration to vibration frequency, then to frequencies, and then you can even get higher up into fractals and all sorts of many frequencies that I'm sure we're just being exposed. Well, you just lost me there. (laughs) (laughs) But if you look at vibration, you know, you think about... I mean, it's something that that's maybe a brand new concept to most people. But, you know, think of anger and jealousy and just, you know, frustration. That's a vibration. It's a very low vibration. But then you think of those high vibrations like happiness and joy and bliss. And you start thinking about the higher your vibration. And I always get the two confused, vibration and frequency, the more that we actually start to ascend, correct? Absolutely. And we can measure those frequencies like you were talking about frustration mm-hmm. and that. We can actually measure them now in hertz so that you can look at a healthy body and see that its vibration in hertz would be maybe right. 76. 
But if you have cancer, it'll be maybe 42. So you can actually prove that the vibration of the body goes down as we're hit by these lower um, energies. Well, you know, it goes really back to the show that we did last week with Regina Murphy, where she basically works on sound therapy, and that's exactly what she does is really raising, you know, the body's frequency. And, you know, you also look at things like what you do as a vibrational healer. You're working with flower essences. You're working with crystals. And they all have a vibratory rate, correct? Absolutely they do. And the whole idea, basically very simply, of vibrational healing Mm -hmm. is constantly putting in higher vibrations into your body and your auric field that will raise your bodies or your spirit, you know, or your emotional hurts to where you get to the point where it's healthy. Right. And now we may have lost a lot of people right now, but as we talk throughout the show, it'll start to make a lot more sense. But, you know, one of my favorite people is Stephen Rother of the Lightworker Organization. Yeah. And he always talks about how life is a game. So how we all set the stage for, you know, our incarn- incarnation from good versus evil, light versus dark, and that many events that happen in our own personal lives and globally are actually preplanned. But when you look at it in the context of an event, let's say like you know, 9-11, Hurricane Katrina, um, you know, Haiti, I mean, it sounds absolutely just horrific. How could a group of souls possibly agree to exit the planet in this way? It just, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. So why do you think? Well, I think when they're making these soul decisions and it's made before mm-hmm. you come back, I don't necessarily know that they're choosing to die at 9-11 you know, Mm -hmm. and to go out horrifically. I think what they're choosing to do is what does their soul contract give them so they can leave as much light? Right. And and, in 9-11, you had, what, 5,000 people that died. So there were Mm -hmm. 5,000 people that came together for a reason. And what we see, unfortunately, is the devastation that it leaves. And sometimes it's very, very hard to look at those kinds of things and think that God had anything to do with it. It's right. really, really hard, but, you know, it, it's a life choice, and like I said, I don't necessarily know we choose to die such a tragic death as much as we choose to, to learn a lesson and to go out and to leave as much love and light behind. Correct, correct, and not to keep on bringing up Regina, but, you know, she was supposed to be having breakfast at the World Trade Center that morning on 9-11 down in, you know, the basement where all the stores and the restaurants were. And, no, a few days before something kind of came up, she changed everything from airline to hotel reservations. And you know how difficult that is, but it all happened just effortlessly. So, I mean, other people, they overslept, their alarm didn't go off, they had a meeting outside of the building. You know, others who maybe did not work at the towers had a meeting inside the building. So there really probably really wasn't anything random about it. I mean, if you were supposed to be there, you were, and if you weren't, Something came up and you were somewhere else. And you so were, that, and you were, yes. Does that make sense? That you were, yeah, you were kept from it because that's not part of your soul contract. To die right. at that moment in time, you may got 20 more years to go. And so absolutely. Right. And soul contracts are something that everybody that reincarnates, well, that's what we come back with. And it's a lesson. Karma isn't a, a, is a, is not a debt, but it's a lesson that we come back mm-hmm. You know, right. to learn so that we don't make the same mistakes again. And then when we, we leave, and I believe that they're like always we say about animals, when an animal we love leaves, they take something, you know, negative about us that will help us right. better. Right, right. And I believe that people do the same thing too. 
Right. Well, you know, my first cat that that left had thyroid issues, and this was before I knew I had any thyroid issues, and she left because of a tumor in her thyroid. And, you know, it very well could have been, you know, something she took from me that allowed me to continue, and, you know, she left. But, you know, what's interesting is, you know, not to keep on harping on 9-11, but it's just, it's such a, the perfect thing to talk about in this, um, you know, with this subject matter. But, you know, I was at a photo shoot that entire week, and a friend of um, mine who was a medium was stopping by every single day. She just happened to live down the street. And she would say that, you know, her and dozens of mediums were helping people cross over from that event. Because when something happens so suddenly and you're thrown out of your body, a lot of times you don't realize that you're actually dead. Right. So what does happen from a heavenly perspective when you do have a mass exodus like this, such as like a tsunami or an earthquake? Um, doesn't Heaven just kind of opens up its gates, doesn't it? Absolutely, and you've got so many angels that are surrounding the area. And a lot of times when you talk about people like your friend that go in and clear these Mm -hmm. tragic mass tragedies, you know, they'll talk about sticks of light that they see. And that's how they see that part of the soul that hasn't gone over. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah, and that's what they do is they go back in and they clear out so all of those lights, because sometimes it's a matter of, like being lost, you just can't find where you're supposed to go. Right, right. And then imagine, you know, realizing that you're dead, and the first thing that you're thinking about is not necessarily walking into the light, but where are your kids, where are your grandkids, where right. your family? Exactly. And right. that's a lot of times that strong emotion is what kind of keeps them from seeing where they're supposed to go. Right. Well, you know, it's I can't even imagine being there. I had friends there. I had acquaintances that were on planes. Um, I can't imagine anything more horrific. But from the heavenly side, I think they were really greeted like heroes. Oh, yes, very, very much so, especially anything like that now. And it was like we were talking before, and it's not that you want to – read you know like omens or anything into that but it's right, like right. as we talk about making our spiritual journey and our ascension and duality starting to become one where we were no longer under that illusion it strikes me that we had two world towers right and then after they went down now we have one Well, something that you said gave me chills and that's what that's exactly what it was and you said and the two shall become one and yeah, and the two shall become one. And that's one of the things that I've always heard as far as that duality ending and we becoming one again with God. Not that we have ascended enough to know that there is no such thing as separation and we become one again. And mm-hmm. it just, like I said, it just strikes me when you now look back of it from such a vantage point that you've got some time from 2020 hindsight is that's what we did. It, we literally went from two to one and the two became one. Right, right. Well, you know, when something tragic happens, you know, we have to look at it from a heavenly perspective and the really the good that comes out of it. So on September 12th, the day after, I mean, we truly became the United States of America. You know, so many people grew spiritually. There were dozens of of people that lost loved ones on the towers that started foundations to raise millions of dollars to help others. So, I mean, it really did bring out the good in humanity. And unfortunately, something like that often has to happen for the good to come out. 
And I think so, too. And I think that what we also need to learn is that we're, if we're just living a normal life, a lot of this kind of stuff doesn't even enter our minds. Right, And sometimes right. I, I, I think it's there to show us that, yes, these people are really there, you know, and, yes, that we have to eventually, you know, pray and deal with that. And, that, yes, there is a lot of energy that needs to be cleared out because some mm-hmm. of these people just, I, I mean, I don't know outside of evil what else you could call them. Well, that's about all it is, I think, is yeah. evil. Yeah. But, you know, there's also another concept I've always heard um, for, I don't, for just for years, but I don't even know where it came from, and that is the phrase that all shall be revealed. Right. What does I mean, where did that come from, and what does that really mean in terms of where we are now? Well, the, the Gnostics were, were, was one of their great teachings, and I know in the teachings that I got, you know, I used to always hear the artifice of man will be destroyed, mm-hmm. all that is hidden will be known. And I think what that goes into is, again, it plays into that separation. But, you know, if you go back 50, 60 years and the government said something to us, we would just believe it hook, line, and sinker. Oh, gosh, yeah. If the church said something, you know, we were so much naive, more naive than we are now. And now if the government tells us something, we don't necessarily believe it. And if churches tell us. Exactly. And I think that's because... One of the things that has happened is they've lost that ability because so much of what was hidden within their systems is now known. I was raised Catholic, and and it's appalling to think how long pedophilia was protected, that these horrible people were just allowed, and they just shuffled them around, and nobody ever, ever considered the poor kids that were going through this. Absolutely. and so to me, that's what it means. It it just means that we're hitting a point now where all of the stuff that you think you could do behind the scenes and nobody will know, you can't do it anymore. You know, well, I think a I lot mean, of the reason why is because of the Internet. I mean, think about it. We are all connected, um, you know, spiritually, but now we're right. also all connected through technology as well, you know, through and, the web. Absolutely. And it's something that it can't be controlled. Right. And I think, you know, when so many events happen, you know, and we're so angry about them, but in order, you know, to really reveal something, you've got to bring the dark into the light so change can actually occur. Exactly. And, you know, you look at perfect example, and this is why I picked Cecil the Lion. I was outraged as so many people were absolutely appalled at the hunting down of this just beautiful creature. But, you know, the truth is that 15,000 American hunters take part in these killings every single year. But, you know, from the perspective of Cecil the Lion, I mean, he actually is quite the hero. I mean, there's no doubt there was some kind of a sole contract um, to, to expose all of this and to make a change, don't you think? Oh, absolutely, because if it would have been just a lion, but it wasn't just a lion. Right. It was a lion that was so well-known. And one of the things, like you were talking about appalled, I was appalled when you had all of these hunters that talked about hunters' conservation. Oh, gosh, like yeah. somehow going out and killing animals that are on endangered species list mm-hmm. is somehow conservation. I was appalled that somebody could actually be that stupid. Well, I mean, it, to me, it comes down to ego and narcissism. Um, I mean, to see these pictures of these just these, I've never even been able to look at a deer 
that's been killed by Hunter. And granted, I understand that to keep the population down of deer, it has to happen. But it's like these trophies. I don't understand it. If you're killing for food, that's fine, but don't kill as a trophy. But what's amazing to me is that the group of airlines that have band together to basically ban the transporting of these hunting trophies. I know UPS is still out there saying they'll ship them, but there's a huge boycott on UPS as well. And think about, you know, the awareness to the endangered species. Now they've created a beanie baby called Cecil the Lion with all the proceeds going to the wildlife preservation. So, so many people are saying, well, what about all the kids that are starving? Well, you know what, there's so many issues that need to be brought to the light. And I think the endangered species is a huge, huge issue right now. But my question is this. So on the flip side, you know, it's very difficult for a lot of people, and granted the guy is in hiding, they can't find him, uh, not to be angry with the dentist. But was there some kind of a mutual soul contract to bring awareness to this whole luxury trophy hunting? I mean, is that something he may have contracted to do, saying, okay, you know, I know it's going to be ugly, but I'll do it just to bring this issue into the light? Or is that not the case? And it goes right back to what we were talking about, you know, and all shall be revealed. I mean, how many times has he gone over and done this and nobody's known? And now this time he goes over. And whether he's cocky, whatever it is, he does it, and now everybody knows. So he's like right. in that light like you were talking about, and you can't hide it anymore because right. everybody can see it now. Right. And the other, I mean, the other one that came to mind, too, was the shooting at the historic black church in Charleston. And again, it is, it is uh, a church that everybody knows about. And the lesson, of course, is racism is alive and well, and it's still prevalent prevalent in our society, whether we want to admit it or not, but and, it obviously is. And it's it's important that we understand, too, the, the importance that other people place on the symbol. I think everybody mm-hmm. looked at the Confederate flag and thought, that's eh, just a flag. That's just a flag, you know? Let him yeah. And after this, you know, you understand that this was a symbol that engendered right. hate. And now, all of a sudden, the symbol, now everybody recognizes it for what it is. Well, it's another layer of separation. Exactly. It's another thing that says, okay, you're from the north, I'm from the south. You're black, I'm white. I mean, we've got to start getting rid of these separate layers. We're all one. I don't care what, whether you're a transgender, gay, or straight, it doesn't make any difference. We are all connected. And that's what people have got to understand. You know, and the thing that really I cannot, um, this is the same thing with 9-11 too, is, you know, he wanted to start a race war. Instead, just like in 9-11, it brought people together. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, Dylan Roof's reaction when family members spoke in court. I mean, one of them said, you know, we are family that love built. We have no room for hate, so we have to forgive. I mean, what, to show the world that they are in forgiveness, I mean, it's one of the biggest lessons we all can learn from them. And, and just imagine the power that you grieve for your loved one, you know, but right. you take this trauma and it, it, you know, it's unfortunate that a lot of these things involve the trauma and the suffering, but you take that trauma and you change it with your heart and soul. Right. And Absolutely. you make sure that nobody sullies it. Nobody sullies it. You're in the light. Mm-hmm. You're going to stay in the light. Absolutely. And that's what these people want to do. They want to throw darkness your way. And and it's it's unfortunate that all this stuff, but as a people, and if you go back to the beginning of the time when we learn these really great lessons, we never do them when we're the happiest. Absolutely. When something that hits us through trauma or pain right. or grief 
that's when we get together, like you said. That's when mm-hmm. we come together, and that's when we create an impetus to change. Right. Well, you look at the most difficult, I'm sure, of all crimes to accept, and that is of a child's death. Oh, you look yes. at nine-year-old Amber Hagerman, her murder, and because of her, we have Amber Alerts that have saved hundreds and hundreds of children. You know, you have Polly Class that was abducted from her bedroom. You know, the foundation that her family started has helped over 9,000 families of missing children. They have affected public policy, and they're doing so much to help keep, you know, kids safe in the first place. And you're absolutely right. It always comes it usually always comes out from pain. I mean, I've done, you know, we've done radio for 15-plus years, and we've interviewed the who's who of the spiritual world, and almost every single one of them had something tragic happen to them, whether it was cancer or death of a loved one, but they decided to walk through their fear and step into their power and their passion, and they decided to make a difference. So as painful as all of this is, you want something to come from it so they just, you know, really don't die in vain. No, and look at that's like with John Walsh when his young son mm-hmm. Adam was murdered. Oh gosh, yeah. If his son would have been alive, he probably would have never created this national organization, right. you know, and everything like that. And it's just, it's like you walk through this door, and it's like mm-hmm. you're taken into a different realm where your experience has changed into something where you start sowing seeds on a global level. Absolutely. You know, I want to change gears just just a smidgen, and I want to talk about Princess Diana. I know it's been quite some time, but and the reason I even bring her up was because I co-hosted a show. This was somewhere, gosh, I don't know, about a year ago, you know, with Samara Riley, who's a phenomenal medium. Um, she brings through Mother Mary, all sorts of light beings, but she also channeled Princess Diana. And, you know, as everyone knows now, you know, on the exterior, her life seemed like a fairy tale, but it actually was more like a nightmare. And you don't really sometimes understand the reason why people have to exit. But this is, this is her words. This is what she said. She said, part of the outpouring after my death was so beautiful and so moving and so heartfelt. I believe it changed the nature of the monarchy in England. And if that was to be what my death was to be about as a soul, I can now say so be it. As a mother, it was hard, but as a soul, what I knew was that the monarchy and the way that it had been for all those centuries was a prison and was a way of diminishing the people. So by doing, obviously, by by exiting in the way that she did, the outpouring of love, it really changed. And all you have to do now is look at Prince William and Princess Kate and how they lead their lives and how they're bringing up their children. Right. So events change things in a lot of different ways. And that's just really one of them. And the monarchy had a lot of beliefs, like Prince Charles believing that, you know, everybody before him had a mistress and he was going to be no different right. than anybody else. And so, right. you know, those those are, you know, those are precepts that go back 800 years, and mm-hmm. we're not living 800 years ago. So, again, a lot of stuff that came out into the open, it was people right. were really, I think, shocked by how right. unconnected they were. And well, like course, even... Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, we talked about, like, her being a mother. You know, I mean, her choice would have been if she could have done something to to better the lives of her children, because they like it or not, they're part of the monarchy. And that's what she did. did. Right. You know, want to make sure. Well, you think something as simple as her running up to her kids and giving them a hug is so so normal. But with the monarchy, you know, you know, I read a story where, you know, his Princess Charles, Prince Charles's 
parents would be gone, the king and queen, and they'd come back and shake his hand. Right. There was just no, there were, there was no hugging, there was no kissing, there was none of that. So no, it's, and even it's, though he's the future king of England, he's still a child. And right, you need affection and love. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the one of the things I want to bring up too is, you know, the kind of events that happen, at least from my perspective, that are really wake up calls. And the one for me really was, I think, when the House of Reps last month passed the anti-labeling law, saying that companies didn't have to reveal that they used GMOs in their products, and they prevented states from even enacting their own laws. And what's really been interesting, though, since then, what has happened? You know, there's companies that are voluntarily labeling their products, like Ben and Jerry's and Chipotle. You know, Whole mm-hmm. Foods claims they're going to have full GMO transparency by 2018, just forcing tons of companies to reformulate their products. But I think we also are very lazy. You know, yeah. we just expect the government to do everything for us, and this is a wake-up call. If we want clean food, if we want to know what we're eating, it's time for consumers to get active, not sit by and watch these things happen and rely on the government who's all bought and paid for to make the right decisions because they won't. It's no, up to us and what we buy and what we demand and who we elect to our offices. So I think those events are just as important. And this kind of, not to totally regress, but, you know, you go back to, what is it, Atlantis? And uh-huh. they pretty uh-huh. much destroyed themselves. I mean, technology destroyed themselves. And if we're not careful, we could potentially do the same thing if we don't decide to be active and demand change for this country and, and this also, world. Um, right. And to understand that freedom is a spiritual gift. That's what right. the Founding Fathers fought for. And sometime, no matter whether we like it or not, we have to walk into Valley Forge again. And we right. have to make sure that we keep everything that we got spiritually. Because whether we like it or not, in the future, and all of the great masters in that talk about that, that talk about St. Germain being the, you know, the, the protective master of America, is mm-hmm. that we will be the leader when the world starts changing over into democracy. Because eventually, according to all of the great ones, that's what will happen. All of the world will become a democracy. Everybody will be free. And it's a, probably a long time from here, but it's, you know, you've got to walk into Valley Forge every now and then. You've got to b- believe in it enough that you're willing to die for it. Well, you know, you go back to the 60s and how they were, so many people were so active. I mean, I look at my aunt who died, gosh, I think she was about 86, and she was a huge organic advocate. She was on the board of Wisconsin, you name it. And the priest even joked at her wake and said that, you know, it would take the senator in Wisconsin well into retirement to read all of the letters that she sent. <laughs> oh, <yeah. And laughs> but that is where we need to get. We need to stop, you know, stop watching the Kardashians, stop watching the housewives. Who the heck cares about Justin Bieber? And look what's going on in our world and change it for the better. And, you know, we grow up in that mentality that one person could change the world. And if you look right. at what we did, there was the the revolution of the war and how everything changed, mm-hmm. you know, for for veterans. We had the civil rights movement. We had the women's yeah. movement, you know. I mean, we accomplished a lot. And, and we did it by, by getting out there. Absolutely. Where everybody made a contribution because we believed one person yeah. could change the world. Well, think about it. Women can now vote. African Americans can now vote. That wasn't always our right. Oh so my with God, that, no. we do have.
We just have a couple minutes, so it is time for illuminations. Illuminations. It's time for illuminations. Food for your mind. Okay, Janice, what do you have for us? I really, honestly, I don't have much, but I would recommend to anybody to start maybe reading some of the quotes and writings of St. Germain so they could understand Mm -hmm. how beautiful our country really, really is. Absolutely, and start looking for the good in everything, no matter how tragic something may actually seem. Yes. But I do have a quote this week. It's from one of my, again, my favorite people, Steve Rother at lightworker.com. Searching for a spiritual awakening, when in fact we are spiritual beings trying to cope with a human awakening. Yes, I love that. And that's something to think about. So thank you, Janice, for another fascinating show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. And remember, please email us and share your heavenly encounters at heavenlyencountersradio at gmail.com. Until our next show, be inspired. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters, a journey to the other side. Good night. Good night. 